0: My name is Naseho, and I will be leading us as we open the scriptures uh, this morning. Uh, just a little bit of background. Over the last few weeks, we have been finding our identity in the scriptures through key messages or key distinctives that we believe are essential to who we are as Fellowship City. So the first Sunday, we looked at family. We found through X to 42 to 47, that we are family, that the church is family. Then the next week or the week after that, we found that we are a missional community through the lens of which we see in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. The week after that, we found that we may be suffering or we will be suffering. However, we have an eternal hope. And that hope is through Jesus Christ. He postures us through any suffering. And we saw that through 1 Peter 3, 13 to 17. The week after that, we found through 2 Corinthians 5 that the message and ministry of reconciliation is ours and we ought to live as it is. That there are actual implications to this truth. Last week, we looked at Gospel Center as one of our key distinctives and where we find this in the Bible. If you missed any of these, you will find the whole mini-series on YouTube. So go into YouTube, search for Fellowship City, um, and like and subscribe so you can get all content as hot as it gets. This morning, we're looking at disciple making, one another one of our key distinctives. And we're looking through 2 Timothy 2:1 to 7 to find this identity. We're going to look a little bit in Matthew 28 as well. Um, as we find our identity, there's a disciple making individual or disciple-making church. Reino Reino laid fundamental building blocks of this identity last week when he looked at the fact that we are gospel-centered, that the gospel hinges on the perfect birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That without that, there is no foundation. That's what Raynor said. He also mentions that the death and resurrection is true whether it is true for you now, but it remains a fact that the death and resurrection is true whether you believe it or not. Catch that sermon on YouTube as well if you missed it. So we start start looking at um, 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 7, which Andrea did for us just now. So we should be about two hours, so strap yourselves in. Um, Just joking, we will be around 25 minutes. We're going to unpack quickly what disciple making is and get to the what now, what then, what should we do with this information? So before we do that, let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord, for such a day as this where we get to fellowship, sing your praises, hear your word, and be reminded about Christ and his finished work on the cross, which gives us life. I pray that this morning, as we engage your scriptures, that your Holy Spirit will tug at our heartstrings and point us to your word, your commands, and your cross. I pray against any distractions this morning. I pray that a fire is lit in us for you, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, to make much of you wherever you've placed us. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I will be flipping in between the certain scriptures and uh, sharing my screen. And so I implore you to take this journey with me as we look at 2 Timothy and find out what it has to say about discipleship. 2 Timothy starts by Paul saying, you then my child. This is Paul writing. We know this is Paul writing. This indicates the relationship that he has with the recipient of this letter. We know the recipient to be Timothy. Timothy was born to a Jewish mother, Eunice, and a Greek father. That's his background. That's his lineage. We are told that he has faith in God. The same faith that was seen in his mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Louis. So that's what we know about Timothy. We know that he's a believer from chapter one. We know that he has put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ alone. So Paul meets Timothy during his second missionary trip, and he disciples him. He mentors him. Timothy was his apprentice. Paul played the spiritual father role in the life of Timothy. That's why Paul addresses him this way. Through time, Timothy matures and becomes Paul's partner or companion. This is how Paul describes him as time goes on. Paul addresses him as co-worker or co-laborer. We'll come back to this point in a moment. But that's how Paul starts. He says, you then, my child. Then he continues. He says, then be strengthened in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. We see that the grace of Jesus Christ makes us strong. It says, be strengthened. This is a command that Paul gives to Timothy. Other versions say, be strong. So Paul says, be strengthened. This is a command. Let's see how this command applies to us in this day, right now. To see this, we need to understand what we need to be strong for. So we know that the strength comes from God or that the strength comes from the grace that is in Jesus Christ. But we are to experience this, we are to live this. And that's the be that's the active part of it. So as God encourages, there is something that needs to be happening out there. So we need to live this strength that God gives us. So you ask, why should we be strong? That's a great question. Is it strength to be a Liverpool or Arsenal supporter? I'm not sure if Christina is there. Maybe a Bafana Bafana supporter who needs to draw today to qualify for AFCON. Is it strength to go buy a box of milk with the family? I know AJ is listening. Is it strength to start a plant-based diet or to change diet? Or maybe to start a seafood diet so you see food and you eat it? Or is it strength that needs to be there when you find the toothpaste squeezed at the top or the toothpaste rolled from the bottom? Well, Paul tells us what the strength is. Paul tells us why we need to be strong. He says it's for discipleship. We see in verse 2b, Paul says, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's why we need to be strong. Paul discipled and mentored to me. He then commands and instructs him to continue what he taught him. He says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many. So he's encouraging him to teach what he has heard from Paul. because Paul discipled him. And he encourages him to entrust it to faithfully. He encourages him to continue the cycle of discipleship. That is why we need to be strong. So, when he says, when Paul says in verse 2 8, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, this sounds familiar. This sounds like something we've heard before. That's right. Matthew 28 19 to 20. Jesus says the same thing. We saw this a few weeks ago. Jesus says the same thing Go make disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. you. I could stop there. We see that disciple-making is in the Bible. We see we should do it. We are a gospel-centered church after all. But what should we do with this knowledge? What should we do with seeing disciple-making in the Bible? What should we do with seeing that we should do it? How is it applicable to me? How it is it applicable to us? How does this influence us on our day-to-day lives? Paul tells us what we need to know about the cycle. He tells us what to expect. He tells us it requires us to be like a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. A soldier is disciplined. A soldier doesn't get chipped up by having arguments soldier carries out the instructions of the commanding officer. An athlete, if you were to picture an athlete, it's as if they have horse blinkers on. They're completely focused on the finish line. They know that they ought to run within their lane. And they always give everything in the race. They give everything. A farmer, if you ask Peter, is patient and hardworking. They plant and they do their part, they toil. They also have faith that what they are planting is growing. So as you can see, we need strength. We need strength that is by grace to be like the soldier, athlete, and farmer. It's not only physical strength. We can see with the description of the two, three that it's also mental strength, strength for the inner man. So let's take a step back we see as Paul starts, he speaks about grace that is in Jesus Christ. So we need to unpack that a little bit to understand what this means. So I'm going to let scripture interpret scripture. We're going to look at Paul when he speaks about not being ashamed. He speaks to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter one. I'm going to let that scripture interpret itself. So these are only two lines. It is uh, only two lines, but we we see there's a lot to unpack this. So I'm just going to read it and unpack a few things. Paul says, he has saved us and called us for the holy calling. Not according to works, but according to his own purpose and grace. In Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose death has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So Paul is saying before the beginning of time, God made a plan through Jesus Christ. And it was his own plan, we see the latter part of verse 9, his own purpose and grace, which is in... Jesus Christ. This is unmerited favor because we could not save ourselves and we could do nothing um, to fix ourselves or our relationship with God. But God makes a plan. That plan is Jesus Christ, and that is the grace. Jesus Christ appears as our Savior. He has conquered death and has brought light and immortality to lighten the gospel. So his death and his resurrection is right there again. So we see that Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection enables the strength we need when he says that we should be strong. Nehemiah 8-10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we find joy in him because of what he has already done. We are strengthened. So in grace, we are strong and we work. We are like soldiers, athletes, and farmers. In grace, we look to God to enable us. We look to God to guide us. We also trust. We trust that he has given us everything we need. And we know he has. He has given us himself. If we have everything we need, then we ought to carry on his command. The soldier has a commanding officer, has all the work tools, The athlete has the coaches, the equipment, and environment. They need to trust that they have all that they need. Then do it. Nike, see what I did there? They need to do it. The farmer has all the knowledge, all the equipment, and they need to trust that they have everything they need, and they need to farm. We too have Jesus. He grants us grace in him through his perfect birth, life, death, Resurrection, ascension, and promise of ultimate return. When we put our faith and trust in Him, He disciples us. When we call ourselves believers, He disciples us. He teaches us from His word. He gives us His word. He also entrusts people to equip us. And ultimately, He says, He is with us till the end of the ages. He says this in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 is a command from Jesus with the authority that he has. He tells them, instructs them, he commands them to entrust his teaching to others. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives this command. He tells them how they should teach what he taught them. He tells them to entrust it to reliable men of God. He then says, and remember, I am with you to the end of the age. We see the same thing intimately. Through grace, he strengthens us. He also doesn't leave us. Through the generations to the end of an age, we need to make disciples. We need to entrust his teachings to others also. The word disciple in this context, as we see in Matthew 28, in the Greek is matateo. It's a verb. The usage of the word is closer to helping someone to progressively learn the word of God, to train in the truth of scripture and lifestyle. So it's not only reading the Bible. It's doing life together. It's life on life, life on mission. Paul didn't just teach Timothy Bible. Paul didn't just teach Timothy what Jesus taught him. He did life with him. They traveled together. So Timothy was able to see what Paul did, how Paul treated his elders, how Paul treated those he doesn't know, how Paul prayed for others, how Paul used his money, how Paul was always on mission. Paul was also a disciple. one of a disciple. He took him through his early years of ministry. Paul saw how Barnabas did things, how he established and encouraged churches. Let's look at an illustration for discipleship. This hopefully helps us better understand discipleship, how easy it is. We've already seen that we need to do it. Paul was a disciple, the 12 apostles were disciples by Jesus himself and they were tasked to carry this generation to generation. So let's look at an illustration that will help us better understand what disciples should is. Eggs. You should be seeing eggs on your screen, scrambled eggs. Um, eggs not yet made or boiled eggs. I know this polarizes polarizes some families where some people don't eat eggs or some people only eat them made in a certain way. We won't get into what is the best way to enjoy eggs now. We'll leave that for later. So how's discipleship like making eggs? Um, You ask, that's a good question. So much the same as eggs. It seems hard until you make them. So many people think it's hard to make it until they have actually made some eggs. Many people claim they can't cook anything, but they haven't tried making eggs. This is the same as discipleship. It seems hard if you have maybe not been disciple, or if you are afraid to be vulnerable or you're afraid to fail or you, you see the uphill task of discipleship and don't actually see that it's not an actual task level playing field. It's easy. God is with us, He stays with us, He enables us, and He gives us the tools. So even if you have the tools, it still seems hard, right? It still seems hard for those that haven't made eggs. So when you first made eggs, you would have needed some equipment. Maybe a pan, some onions, milk, or maybe olive oil. And it would still seem card with equipment. Well, we have God's word as our equipment. We saw in Matthew and in 2 Timothy 1, Paul says that Timothy must guard the good deposit, guard God's work in us. In Matthew 28, God says they must teach what he taught them. We also have God's promises that he will be with us. So making your first day would have been easier if, Someone with experience was there alongside you. But God says that he's there all the time, not just the first time. The second, the third, he's always there. He's with us until the end of the ages, and he will be there helping us. So it it looks hard, even when you have the tools, but we need to trust the promises of God. We need to trust that we do have the right tools. It also gets easier the more you make them. Like discipleship, it gets easier. You build the muscle for it. You see that it's not as hard as you thought. It's rewarding also. When you make that omelet or that poached egg, maybe even after having uh, built the trust that you can make eggs, like making eggs, we grow in trust that we can disciple others. We grow in knowledge of God. We grow in likeness of God. And that is how it's rewarding for us to be in that type of relationship. We grow. We grow together. We grow individually. And it can get messy, but it's okay. It still is. It's still good. Much like discipleship, it can get messy. When people are in your space doing life, they may see how you react to a taxi cutting in. They see that your home isn't as clean as it always is. They see that you leave shoes everywhere, including under the table or the couch. Please don't look for shoes when you visit our home. I'm not saying they are there or they aren't there, but let's rather not look under the tree. Making eggs can also get get messy when you try to make a soft sunny side egg and it breaks in the pan, or the omelette sticks to the pan, or the egg ring not keeping the egg in the right round shape. But even though it's messy, we know that it's all right, that it's okay, that it's still a self It's still doing life on life. It's still edifying to both yourself and the individual. It's corporately edifying. It can be enjoyed in many different ways, much like eggs. So you can enjoy a scrambled egg, an omelette, a sunny-side-up egg, or a poached egg. And that also says that it's not just reading the bible even though we read the bible it's not just a social event even though we socialize in those relationships it's not just accountability even though we are accountable to one another it is life on life life on mission and life on community so it's both reading the bible it's being social and letting people in your lives it's going to buy milk with another brother or another sister It's watching the Bafana Bafana game and hoping that we are happy at the end. It's reading our Bibles also. It's doing life on life on life together. So what now? After we've seen the text, we learn that disciple-making is a biblical principle. We need strength to disciples' others also. We see that, but we know that the strength comes from place in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So we just need to live within that truth. That Jesus Christ's death on the cross gives us strength, gives us joy in where the strength is developed. We learn that there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing we have to be afraid of. He enables us. He gives us the tools and he is with us until the end of the ages. So our vision for discipleship at Fellowship City, we know that this may be hard for some, whilst for others it may be easier. But we believe we are commanded to be like Jesus and make disciples who make disciples as a church. We as Fellowship City would want to see genuine and deep discipleship happening, woman on woman, men on men, or even couple on couple. That as discipleship happens, people's hearts are changed and made more like Jesus. That we transcend culture, even in those relationships. That the city of Centurion sees this happening, sees discipleship amongst us. And they ask, Who are you? Why are you so different? What is it about you? We will be unpacking this in the next few weeks to come. So when you make breakfast tomorrow morning, when you see how easy it is to make an egg, you once thought it was hard. You have all the tools to make it. It may be messy, but it is rewarding for your growth too. Find someone to mentor you and mentor someone else. One hand holding the other and another holding another other as well. Pray about it, but remember, that God has already given us everything. Pray about it, but remember that even the people we need around us are there. God gives, gives us the people. Trust that. Trust him. The God of Abraham and the God of the covenant makes us a promise that he is with us. We know him to be faithful. So I pray we respond in obedience. Let me pray fast. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we see in your word Uh, much the same as you commanded the disciples, Uh, I mean, the 12 apostles to to disciple others, that we ought to do the same. We see the relationship between Timothy and Paul. We see how Paul disciples, Timothy, we see how he should consider being a soldier, an athlete or a farmer, that those characteristics are good. They enable us to keep going and, and find our strength and our joy in the grace that is in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. Lord, I pray that you continue to target at our hearts, states that you would continue to challenge us, that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit, and you would help us to respond in obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks.